Hi, welcome to Promo Insiders, an ASI media podcast covering the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm executive editor, Sarah Lavendusky, and today I'm joined by Dr. Melissa Whitson, a licensed psychologist and associate professor of psychology at the University of New Haven in Connecticut. Today, we're going to be discussing the mental health impact of COVID nearly two years after the first lockdowns and health restrictions. The big question today is, how do we effectively contend with the ongoing frustration and uncertainty so we can best show up for ourselves and those around us? So thank you, Dr. Whitson, for being with us today. We really appreciate your time. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Of course. And make sure to put your questions or comments for Dr. Whitson in the chat, and we will get to them as time allows. So I think, you know, we can all agree we're just talking about this a little bit beforehand. This isn't really how we wanted to start the year. And I think many of us had anticipated putting COVID way behind us by now. And instead, it's still wreaking a lot of havoc on plans. And I went to yet another virtual event last week that was supposed to be in person, their third virtual one, when they had maybe done virtual in 2020 because they had to, now it's their third one. So, and now data is also coming out that the lockdowns have been very detrimental to mental health, especially among the vulnerable, like kids, the elderly, those with addictions. And now people who are vaccinated are still getting sick, which wasn't what we had expected. That's causing a lot of fear in people. So all of these things are combining for this new season of frustration and disappointment. And again, even fear of um, what could happen. So my first question to you is, as we mentally weather the disappointment of so having to change plans nearly two years later, how do we do that effectively? And, And maybe people are feeling a little guilty for feeling disappointed, you know, I think there's, it's natural to feel like frustration, disappointment about that, but maybe we need to give ourselves and those around us permission to feel that way. What would you say about that dealing with our mental health in an effective way? Uh, it's, it's so difficult. And yeah, I totally agree. We need to give ourselves a break. Um, you know, I often talk about that in terms of, you know, my work or my parenting, oh, this isn't what I want to do, but I'm like, I wasn't expecting it to be like this. So we have to um, change our standards, not necessarily lower them, but they have to be altered. And we have to be kind and compassionate to ourselves and to others about how we're handling it and the fact that we are feeling disappointed, we're feeling exhausted, we're feeling angry, and that's all totally normal, totally okay. Um, and in some ways it's healthy because we, we should be feeling these ways about this disruptions in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's not one right way to feel, right? Some people might feel um, despair or just kind of numb or I don't wanna do anything anymore. And other people are really angry and active um, and there's not one right, right way to do it. So don't be hard on yourself because you're not dealing with it the correct way. Everyone has their own way of dealing with it. And also, you know, if you're finding yourselves feeling really down or depressed or, you know, um, just like not motivated some days, that's okay. And it's a normal reaction to this ongoing trauma that we're all dealing with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the collective trauma is real for sure. Yeah. And how can we be models for others? I think, you know, particularly kids in the midst of the uncertainty, you know, being, I think being gracious and flexible and resilient mm-hmm. are all good things. Like those are all things we want our children to learn, but mm-hmm. especially during COVID, you know, extending grace to yourself and others, how do we model that, especially for our kids? Right. Yeah, it's really difficult because, you know, oftentimes our kids depend on us to be able to help regulate them, right? Their developing brains and bodies aren't able to regulate this kind of trauma and unpredictability themselves. And so they rely on caregivers and people in their lives. That's what attachment is about. They rely on us to be models for that and to help them process those feelings. Um, And so when we're struggling ourselves, 
it becomes even more difficult. Um, and so I think, you know, in a developmentally appropriate way, being honest about what you're struggling with, with your children, kind of modeling this awareness and reflection and, you know, modeling the fact that, you know, I'm just, I'm feeling really frustrated about the situation, um, you know, or I did this and that, you know, wasn't the best thing for me to do, but I think this is in response to this. So you're actually mm -hmm. teaching them some emotional intelligence, but also allowing them to feel, oh, well, maybe that's how I'm feeling too, right? Or reflecting on their own. And so you're modeling yourself, you being compassionate to yourself, which will allow them to be compassionate to themselves as well. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to be perfect. If you make a mistake, you'd be like, oh, I yelled and that's just because I've been really frustrated or on it and I'm really sorry. So acknowledging your, you know, mistakes or things that you wish you would have done differently. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, just really being transparent with your kids and you can do that with kids even younger and just be like, mommy was really frustrated, you know, shouldn't have yelled um, and that kind of thing. So um, that can be helpful for kids in a developmentally appropriate way. Obviously, older kids, you can have a much more in-depth conversation about that too. Mm -hmm. um, and so modeling that piece, I think, is really important. And then also modeling our self-care, right? Um, we talk a lot about self-care and trust me, I know how hard it is to fit that in. I struggle with it, even though I know how important it is and I tell people how important it is. I really struggle with it. But I think, you know, if children and they see how you're taking care of yourselves, and even if it means taking a break from them, no, I really need to go do this because this is important for, for me to feel, to take a break and to recharge my batteries. And it's, you know, it's good for you to do that. Um, and they might not be happy with you taking a break from them, but they'll at least see that and that, you know, that will model them for that for them or also doing other things to take care of ourselves um, that will allow them to feel like, oh, maybe it's OK if I do that, too. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of modeling around that that can really be helpful to them. And then also kind of asking them about how they're feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they might not tell you, but just making space for them to be able to have those conversations if they're saying they're frustrated, they're angry, angry, don't try to fix it, right? Just say, yeah, I understand, you know, and, and allowing them some space to feel that and to express that will be really helpful too without any kind of judgment because then they won't judge themselves negatively because of that. Yeah, I think actually, you know, there's with COVID, there have been a lot of silver linings. And I think one of them is that there is this opportunity to especially with with young children there's an opportunity to to start some conversations about emotional intelligence and naming mm -hmm. your emotions like your emotions aren't you right. right they're a reaction to what's going on around you so mm -hmm. you can kind of compartmentalize them and name them and that's mm -hmm. so healthy like to be able to name your emotions know that they're separate from you as a person mm -hmm. and how to contend with them in a healthy way i just think there's something very there's something very edifying about that and that i think covid is an opportunity for that yeah, I think we've all been trained that emotions are a bad thing or they're kind yeah. of, they're nuisance, they interfere with things. And mm. I mean, we have an emotional life for a reason and it can actually help us in a lot of ways. So if we're able to embrace the good and bad of emotions and understand that it's something that we should acknowledge and, you know, and work with in some way. So even if my toddler, he like has his tantrum, I'm like, oh, you're really angry, right? So it's just naming those things for him and he's not going to know why he's angry. And usually it's about, not being able to control his life, but, you know, um, but just being, being able to have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I find it helps me be like, oh, 
then I'll name my emotions. And that helps make me more aware of what's going on with me too. Um, So it is important to really have that. Don't run away from those emotions. Talk about them, right? And that will also help you deal with them and cope with them more effectively. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, with children, uh, I think COVID has kind of taught us and them that you can't take things for granted. Like what you kind of thought would always be there isn't always there. Um, The things that we kind of just thought would work don't always work. How do we come to terms mentally, come to grips with the fact that the world is changing in many ways permanently because of COVID? Like how Mm -hmm. do we, how do we name that and kind of settle into that um, and, and uh, regulate our emotions around that? Yeah, it's, that's a really difficult question. And it's going to be different for different people. Um, but there are a number of ways we can do that. One, I think, is acknowledging that, like, everyone's like, oh, when we go back to normal, well, you know, we all know the normal isn't going to be the new normal. It will be similar, right? It's not like it's, we're never going to go back to the things we enjoy. We will certainly get back to most of those things. There might just be some alterations. And if you can think of other times in history, particularly for adults where that's happened, like, pre 9-11, right? And how airports are different now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can kind of think of some of those processes and procedures that have changed as a result of that. Um, and then also reframing it a little bit in terms of, yeah, highlighting what are some of the good things that we can take from this experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think there has been an increase in mental health awareness and the need for mental health services as a result of this pandemic. And that could be a positive result of that. There is, like you said, kind of not taking things for granted, right? Realizing how much we appreciate the small things and kind of making sure we don't lose focus of that moving forward, right? Um, And so there can be things that we can, instead of just being resilient and bouncing back, we can actually thrive and can have what we call like post-traumatic growth Mm. after, um, after an experience like this. So although things might alter, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all bad, right? Um, and, uh, and so thinking about things in that way and kind of reframing it for ourselves, that we're not always going to be in the situation where there's lockdowns or school closures, we will get past that point eventually, right? right. Um, but there will definitely be things that will be continue to be altered. And some of them don't have to be that big of a deal, just like in the airport now, we go through those extra screenings, you know, and yeah, they're a nuisance. But, you know, we've all accepted that as part of that, you know, and so kind of thinking about it in those terms could be helpful as well. Um, So knowing that it's not always going to be like this, but it will be a little bit different. Um, But there also can be some things that we take that can make things better after an experience like this that we've all collectively had together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things that's very important for our audience is, is, you know, the fact that they're balancing, um, you know, disappointed uh, plans again. They're balancing kids, you know, at a moment's notice, they're in virtual learning because of COVID. Yeah. Um, they're balancing these changes in our landscape and what we always kind of accepted would be the norm with, they're also balancing that with caring for clients and and dealing with their, their teams and all of the challenges that have plagued this particular industry with the supply chain and inventory mm-hmm. and staff shortages. And it really impacts customer service and timing and how, how would you say, you know, when you're kind of in the thick of it, maybe there's, there's an opportunity to kind of stop and pause and manage our emotions in the moment when things are getting very overwhelming. What would you say are some kind of quick tips for doing that in, in the thick of it? Yeah. And then, well, yeah, that, that's good advice for, uh, for everyone, certainly. Yes. But um, so, so yeah, 
I mean, acknowledging that it's overwhelming that, you know, in some point, you know, kind of stopping, taking a deep breath, right? Oftentimes when our bodies are reacting to stress and kind of a chronic stress that's been built, you know, we've had this chron underlying chronic stress going for almost two years now. Um, and, you know, sometimes we call that chronic trauma when it's going on for a long period of time, that our body systems are activated, right? Cortisol is going, it's like fight or flight. Our bodies are always kind of on the alert, waiting for things to happen. And that's happening deep down in our brain, right? In our brain stem that impacts our consciousness and our breathing and in our limbic system where our emotions are and things like that. So our frontal lobe can talk to us and be like, we gotta, we gotta calm it down. We gotta do what we gotta do. But these systems aren't really listening. These are the older systems of the brain and they very much kind of um, have a mind of their own, right? So sometimes we have to do things that will directly connect with those systems to be able to calm ourselves down so that the frontal lobe can focus and get its work done, right? Um, so things that can access these pieces are like deep breathing, mindfulness, yoga, meditation, right? Just something that can also, even some small tedious task, you know, some people like coloring or puzzle making, they can kind of, you know, bring our system down, calm our system down so that our frontal lobe can do the work that it needs to do. So not being afraid to taking a little bit of a break, you know, rather than just being like, I have to get everything done. I got to go, 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 go. Right. Eventually your system's going to exhaust itself and going to be depleted. And you're, you know, it's just, you're not going to be able to move on and you're going to feel numb and unmotivated. Right. But if you're able to take a little bit of a break at that moment, acknowledge what's going on for you, not feeling guilty, realizing what you might need. Right. And kind of paying attention to calming our system a little bit so that then we can refocus and figure out how we're going to balance these competing demands and the, and all, you know, juggling all these different things that are going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then we also have to, again, adjust our standards, right? I used to have very high standards for my work life and my parenting life. And not only do we have to adjust that when we're just work-life balancing in general, but under these conditions, it's just impossible. Nobody can do it, right? Nobody can do it. My kids have watched way more screen time. They still do, right? Um, and you just have to kind of give yourself a break on some of that stuff. My work is enough for me to be productive, but there's some things that I had to prioritize. And, you know, and employers have to be aware of that, but we also have to be aware of that, right? Prioritizing, you can't juggle all the balls, right? Mm -hmm. um, so also kind of giving yourself that break, prioritizing what you need to get done, and just knowing that it's not going to be like this forever, but for now, we might have to readjust those standards too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that we have actually related to this. You just mentioned, you know, employees, employers, and being a leader of a team, you know, modeling not just for your kids, but also for your teams, yeah. um, what this looks like, this graciousness. And um, Brian Goldsman, he asks, he's a distributor, and he says, any suggestions on how to help our staff deal with the pressures they're going through, both, you know, I'm sure, both personal mm -hmm. and professional pressures? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really great question. And I'm so glad that he, you know, he's paying attention to that in terms of working with staff. So I think it's about, you know, being flexible where you can be flexible, right? Thinking about what are the absolute things that we definitely need to have happen? And what are things that can be flexible and communicating that with the staff, asking the staff what their needs are, right? Getting their kind of feedback too, in terms of what do you think are things that, you know, you need more flexibility on? And what are the things that, we, we can't have flexibility on just to be able to do our work, right? 
but what are some other things that we can work with you on? Um, so kind of work approaching as a team and recognizing um, all the struggles that they're dealing with, but also the goals and the priorities of the organization and kind of rethinking how we can balance that together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, sometimes just giving staff an open forum of which to talk about those things can help them feel more supported and heard and seen, right? Um, so kind of like, you know, leadership uh, 101 in terms of making your staff feel appreciated, understood and valued, but also, you know, trying to meet them where they're at and knowing that if they're in a better place, they're going to, you know, produce better products, meet their goals more effectively and just be more efficient staff members and things like that. So I think kind of really thinking about what can we be flexible on? What can't we? What does my staff really need asking them directly? And then, you know, if there are some resources that you can make available to them that seem like they align with the needs of that staff, um, you know, then seeking out those resources as well for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. anybody else who has a question or comment, please include them in the chat as we start to wrap up. So my last question for you is, you know, when is it time to maybe seek professional help? Like maybe there's room for a counselor, mm-hmm. a therapist. Um, you know, a, a, a healthcare provider that can offer a little more, um, which regular check-ins, like when would you say, would you recommend like somebody start thinking about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think honestly, you can do that at any point if you feel like it, right? There's not a threshold at which, oh, now I need to talk to a counselor or a therapist, right? Um, some people want to do that just on the regular for regular adjustment, right? You know, oh, I'm adjusting to be a parent. It'd be nice to be able to talk to someone about that and how I'm feeling about that and how I'm like, you know, struggling. Um, so for some people is, you know, just now because we're all dealing with this and it's, it's traumatic. Even if you haven't been directly impacted by it, you're struggling a lot. There's a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, and so there's no reason why you shouldn't seek that out if you want to and you feel comfortable doing that. When it really becomes um, imperative, though, is when you find out that the stress um, and, you know, the overwhelmingness and the trauma is impacting you in such a way that it's interfering with your ability to function, right? Your daily function. So difficulty sleeping regularly, right? Um, not eating correctly, difficulty, um, you know, completing your family duties or your job duties. So where you really start to see it impacts your daily functioning and you're not able to carry out the things that you need to do to take care of yourself in terms of your physical health, but also to be able to um, complete your, you know, general roles and responsibilities, keeping in mind that I said, you know, we have to kind of change our standards related to that too. So it's really about when you kind of notice or you notice in other people um, that they're really struggling in that area and they're not able to kind of think about, oh, yes, um, I'm, you know, I'm not really being able to care for people in my life. I'm not, I'm not keeping up with my hygiene or sleeping or eating then it's really important to reach out for additional support and services in that case. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Um, Well, thank you so much, Dr. Whitson, for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And for more health and wellness tips, please head to asicentral.com slash news. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.